Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Ash Radio. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shuler Jr. Edward, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm hanging in there. Everything is everything, and I'm just uh, yeah grateful for just grateful for life right now, man. How about you? How are things going? Good, good, good. You know, just uh, the playoffs are obviously over. Uh, the Lakers won it all. We a lot of people obviously were upset about that, but. Is what it is. I don't, I don't really get upset as much anymore. And like I know amongst Bulls fans, LeBron is still a big hated guy. But like you know, I, I I've I've come to appreciate his greatness. You know, a while back, and I I think you have too. And it's just fun watching him play. And I don't really get into too much into like if he wins, I don't get upset, and I don't really I don't root against him anymore. I was rooting for the Heat, obviously, just because I'm such a big Jimmy Butler fan. So I was really, really hoping like you know something crazy would happen and either they win it all or like force a game seven. But outside of that, uh, you know, it just it's it was a, it was a fun series and it was I think it surprised a lot of people. Yeah, I'm not I'm not into the Twitter comparisons with LeBron and Jordan at this moment in time just because I feel like there's just so many better conversations we can have about appreciating the greatness of individual players in different eras. So, I mean, comparison is the thief of joy. So I'm not even, I'm not even into it right now, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy for LeBron, happy for the Lakers. The, the bubble was a lot better than I think everyone anticipated. And we got some really good series and we got a, we got to see a really good champion come out of it. So yeah, congrats to the NBA, congrats to the Lakers and congrats to fans for, uh, getting to see all of that. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, like you said, the the goat conversations is dumb at this point. It's mm. it's the same thing arguments over and over again, and then people just devalue greatness overall. Whether it's devaluing what LeBron's done or devaluing what MJ did in his in his time. Yeah. Uh, but as you said, goat conversations trash. But we're gonna have a good conversation today. Uh, we're gonna get back into talking about the NBA draft dig deep into a little bit more of other prospects that maybe we haven't talked about and other scenarios that maybe we haven't talked about. And to do that today is, is uh, joining us will be Richard Stamen of Mavs Draft. Uh, Rich, thank, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm happy that uh, the longest draft cycle of all time is, uh, is in its final month. So <laughs> I've started overthinking everything. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it, we quickly forget that the that March Madness didn't happen this year, and that the college season technically end like it ended like what early March. So what this has been seven months of basically <laughs> draft prep, which is unheard of. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's the college season too. Like that's yeah, that's the length of the college season that we got off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just weird. Like you know, you normally we, we get to the draft a week after the you know the playoffs end or the the you know the NBA finals end, but now we have to wait for like a complete like another whole month, and it's it is what it is. It's you know, it, it gives us more time, I guess, to evaluate uh, evaluate players. So you know, let's let's get into it. You know, the Bulls are at number four in this draft. Um, they definitely will have a lot of possibilities. Uh, there's so many scenarios that could come about depending on who goes where. Um, I know there's definitely a lot of needs for the Bulls. I know we've talked countlessly on this podcast. Other Bulls fans talked about they need a lead initiator, 
but other needs that they do have is on the wing as well. Uh, right now they have an older Otto Porter Jr. Not sure if he's a long-term guy just because of his uncertainty with his health and depends on his money-wise what he would want to get extended at. And then they have like a guy like Chandler Hutchison who is still young and unproven, and we don't know, again, what his long-term uh, potential and a fit with the roster is. And when we look at this draft, I feel like as I more I study this draft and more I get familiar with it, I see that this draft probably has pretty strong as far as wings. Obviously, strong is relative because this draft isn't really considered like a super strong draft. But uh, there's a lot of wing potential in this draft as far as people maybe a guy that you can find that not necessarily again will be a star and an all-star but could at least be a long-term guy that can maybe turn into a 3 and D or at least a long-term rotation player um in your in your view what what do you see with a lot of the players of this draft that that, that come in at that three yeah so it's it's a weird draft class just because there's very little perceived star power at the top uh, and, and a part of that, I think, is because of the new college rules, you know, the longer three-point line, quicker shot clock. Uh, it's a lot closer to NBA basketball than any other generation of college players have ever faced. Uh, but I do think it's a very deep class. Like you said, there's a lot of rotation players that are going to be playing for five-plus years in the first round. Like, you know, every year there's guys who flame out within two to three years. They don't even get a second contract. I think that's going to be not even five to ten, I think, is a pretty fair thing to say that they don't even – you know, it's only five to 10 that don't get a second contract in the first round. So looking at this class and the wings that are in it, Isaac Okoro is someone who I think a lot of fans are starting to warm up to. I know there are question marks about his jump shot and how his offense will come along. But when you look at Okoro's game and you see the athleticism, you see the motor, you see the hustle on both ends of the court and you, you see a, like just a good size from Okoro as well. What do you think his long-term upside is? Do you think that he can be a like a Victor Oladipo type of player or maybe, I'm not going to say, maybe not a Jimmy Butler, but do you think he could be a, a really good two-way guard who gradually improves his NBA offense? Or do you think he's a type of player where the upside is appealing, but the the chances that he develops his offense are very minuscule. So the my only flaws or negatives on him in my scouting report on him is the jump shot. Like he does literally everything else at a very high level, uh, which is unheard of for a guy to have really just one flaw, especially at the top. It's, it's pretty rare. Those guys are usually the top two to three guys, but for whatever reason, it's not him. Uh, my comparisons I've used, I took the low-hanging fruit, Andre Godala, uh, you know, he's not a he's not exactly a good shooter anymore. Um, and he's still an incredibly effective rotation player. Like we've seen that just because if you can't shoot, that doesn't mean you can't play. Uh, like you said, with Jimmy Butler, I mean, in the finals we saw and in the Eastern Conference finals, they were both teams were begging him to shoot threes. And he was still the best player on the court most of the time, uh, or at least on the team. Excuse me. So I forgot he play, played against LeBron and AD. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, I think you can be completely fine having every other box checked. And really, at this point, it's like if the jump shot comes along, it's a bonus, not even a necessity, I think. Yeah, it's interesting with him just because, I lo- like you guys said, his, his shot isn't there yet. Um, but I feel like when, when you have that athleticism and 
the defensive ability and show show excuse me show kind of a you know a work ethic to improve your improve your game that 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 can always come around and you can you can probably see you know development if like and especially when you see a guy um, you know, his, granted, his free throw shooting isn't that good either, but it, that's always volume. Sometimes he's, I was looking at his free throw shooting, and he only goes to the line about two times a game. So it's kind of hard to see if if that's really you know just bad form or not, or if it's just kind of a mental thing with him. But yeah, I'm a, I, I, he's a, he's a guy that definitely, as far as athleticism, and that was my thing too. And like like Jimmy was that type of player when he came into the league. You know, he's very athletic. He didn't have any semblance of a jump shot. Like, when you saw him shoot, it was a straight laser uh, when when he got off any kind of jumper. So, it, it's interesting to think about that. The other comparison I think I've seen is a guy like Matisse uh, Tybel, um, an, another athletic wing that, that's out there. So, I don't know. Like I said, uh, to me, uh, he he's an interesting prospect. Uh and moving on, in, 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 a, in a similar interesting prospect is a guy like Devin Vassell. Um, what, what are your thoughts on him, and where do you see him as far as uh, coming into this league? So, unfortunately, uh, if we had done this a week earlier, I would have a lot different of an answer. Uh, but after that video of that changed jump shot, uh, it scared me. It didn't change my ranking or anything, but uh, it looks like he cocks it back even further than he already did, which – Really, that was my only concern for him was I don't like the jump shot form, uh, especially from a standstill. Uh, and it just, he somehow made it worse. So, yeah. but other than that, he's another one of those guys that like, he doesn't do much wrong. Like he, he can improve his ball handling, but like, he's not going to be doing that so much that it matters. Um, but he's so, he's so smart. And for me, I think he's a generational defender. I think back-to-back years, we've had generational defenders uh, come out with him and Tybal, uh, which I know you just said, and that's who actually one of the guys I've, thrown as comparison is is Matisse Thibel and you know I think they're very similar uh he's not you know he's not going to run the offense or anything but if you if you get the ball in his hands you can trust him to make the right play yeah the, the shot is weird like, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that there was just something they were messing around with and it's not something that they're going to actually have him try to do going into the league because that was like because in college his shot was kind of tricky too it was just it had that weird release but this was like he was. I was saying like joking, like he was looking like he was doing like a shot put, like or like kind of like just hoving it, like like <laughs> if it was like a medicine ball that he was trying to just chuck over his head. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and the best thing I saw is someone said, "Is this a dunk or a three point shot?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was pretty bad, but I mean, he's one of the few guys that his off the dribble shot in college looked a lot better than his standstill three. You know, a lot of the most players, especially underclassmen have the opposite issue uh so i i don't know what to make of his jump shot i think at this point it's still a bonus i've always said that the defense and the iq are what you're getting and then anything else is just an added bonus who do you have higher between him and okuro and what if i threw a name out there like a uh, a jalen brown because I, I think back to jalen brown and his freshman season and granted i was not that high on jalen brown but <laughs> He he didn't really have a good perimeter shot, but was a good defender, good athlete. And as we've seen, he's developed really well in Boston. Obviously, other factors come into play with coaching, organization, culture, and things like that. But who do you have higher between Okoro and Vassell? And do you think either one of them can be can develop like a Jalen Brown? 
Yeah, so I have Okoro higher. Uh, I do think that if either of them turned into the Jalen Brown mold, it would probably be Vassell. Uh, just because I think if if Okoro gets that jump shot ready, I mean, he's going to be much higher. Like, it's kind of cheating the answer, but mm-hmm. like if he gets a jump shot, he's going to be a star in the NBA. Like, there's no question in my mind. If that's his only flaw heading into the NBA and he fixes it to be even league average, like he's going to be a lot better than Jalen Brown. But I do like him as a as kind of a Devin Vassell's upside because Jalen Brown, I feel like, is somehow an underrated defender, even though he's pretty well known as a good defender. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the athleticism is a little bit different between the two. Jalen Brown was more of like a freak athlete coming out of college, a raw freak athlete. Uh, and, J- and Vassell has, you know, more head on his shoulder, uh, kind of living off his IQ. Um, but I do think that uh, that Vassell is probably the closer one to Jalen Brown's development curve. So how do you fix the jump shot then for Okoro? <laughs> <laughs> that, well, for Vassell, don't get uh, don't get the same coach that he's using now. Uh, and then <laughs> and then uh, for Okoro, I don't know because Okoro's jump shot isn't even the it's all at the top. The bottom is really good. He has quick feet. Like I like how he squares up. I really like that. It's just everything else is wrong with the jump shot. Uh, and I think it's going to be a complete overhaul, honestly, pretty much from anything above the ankles is where you start. Yeah, it'll be interesting as far as how how they clear up the mechanics. Uh, this this next guy, with Tyrese Halliburton, uh, he kind of covers both two needs in a sense for the Bulls. Obviously, he, he is that wing. Um, he's about six five, but he's he's lengthy. Uh, he has a pretty good wingspan, uh, and uh, the other th- other skill set he has, he can handle the ball. Um, he, he looks like he can at least, at the very least, be a secondary initiator. Um, and his his shooting is interesting. I feel like he has a good spot up three point shot when he's when he's you know you know behind the arc uh, t- waiting out for a kick out. Um, his shooting might be com- uh, bad when he's kind of you know shooting off the dribble because he kind of has a slower release. It looks like. Uh, what are your thoughts on him as far as his floor or his ceiling? And uh, do do you think maybe I know we, we t- I said like he could probably be like a secondary handler, but do you think he could eventually turn into like a, like one of those point point fours or a point guard type of player? Yeah. So for the upside, I kind of I have him going along the Shea Gilders Alexander if he hits that kind of path. I don't think he'll necessarily he won't be better than Shea. I don't think because uh, Shea has just such a high ceiling. Uh, but I do think he could be similar to what Shea was this year, where you can play him off ball uh, as a kind of secondary off guard in a way like because OKC's system was just so weird that it's hard to say what you know how he played but um I do think that is his pure upside obviously he has a long ways to go as a slasher and like you said the shooting off the dribble is really awkward uh just his form in general off the dribble is I mean really his form in general is the weirdest thing I've ever seen like it's worse than not worse it's weirder than Kevin Martin's which I did not know was possible um but he has crazy range like I mean like you said the spot up ability I I was at the triple double game he had against TCU. And I mean, he was, that was one of the best games I think I've ever seen from a prospect where he just controlled the game. And that's what he does is uh, he controls the tempo. He just controls everything on both ends. And he's so active on defense that he's, he's like a winning player. You know, he may not have all the best stats and everything like that, but he's a winning guy, you know? Yeah. That's what I was going to say, because in a way he kind of reminds me of the, Wendell Carter Jr. of guards in this draft, someone who's just really (laughs) smart and heady and is going to make winning plays, is going to play within a team structure really well and succeed in that. But he's not someone that is going to 
beat you by himself. But he is someone who I think is a good complement in a lineup with Zach Levine and Kobe White because, again, he can pass. He can make that spot up three. He can defend. And he's kind of the glue in that trio in kind of kind of like how Tomas Sadoransky, even though I know Bulls fans are down on him right now, is <laughs> kind of like it's a similar role, like someone who if you put them in a if you put them in a lineup and say, OK, get me 20, get me 25. They they're not going to do really well at it because it's not their game. But if you put them in a lineup with two like one or two like good volume guys already established your leading scorers and you say okay get them the ball make shots and make smart plays they're going to be big difference makers and when you when you look at like the advanced stats they're going to absolutely kill it so with that said would you take Halliburton at number four if you were the Bulls even if you think he's not a player that you specifically can build around as much as you know you can build with? Yeah, so that's so it's, I agree with everything you said. Uh, oddly enough, I actually don't even have him in my top 10, so I, mm. I wouldn't. Uh, I do think that uh, you could probably trade back and get him. Like, you don't have to trade back wildly far out of the top 10 or anything. I don't know if I would take him at four. Mm. Um, there is risk. You know, I, I, even though the jump shot numbers are good, you know, free throw and three-point percentage really check out, uh, I do worry about the shot. I think that's just a risk with him. Um, but... I probably wouldn't take him top four just because if I'm going for, I want either the absolute safest guy and I'm still not, you know, entirely sold that he is. It's just like all he needs is to hit. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but he has a low bar to clear to hit his safety net. Uh, it's just, I'm kind of worried about him getting there. Um, just with the shot, it scares me a lot. Um, but I probably wouldn't take him number four just because I, I mean, I do have him number 20 on my board. So personally that's, that's a little hard for me to say yes. <laughs> But I do agree, though, with everything you said. Like I said, he's perfect for the Bulls, just not at four. Uh, looking at a lot of these wings, I think they're all falling in that same maybe late lottery, um, or late late lottery or mid lottery. Uh, even guys like Patrick Williams, um, and then the other guy probably is probably one of the safer picks is Sadiq Bay. Uh, what are your thoughts on on those guys? Um, I know the Bulls obviously at four. A lot of these guys are, you know, way would be way overpicking uh, if they selected any of them, like you, like you just mentioned. But there, there's possibilities that they could trade back. Is that something that you would like at with at four, depending on, let's say, let let, let for example, let's say Mellow Ball was at four, and I know the Bulls are a lot of Bulls fans are really high on wanting to the Bulls again, just obviously because of his potential of being a lead guard, but. Would you would you trade back with? I think there's a team. I think it was the Suns that they have two picks. Uh, they have like the eighth and thirteenth uh, pick. Would you do something like that? Trade back four with for eight and thirteen, and maybe try to get two of these guys and like two of these wings that we've been talking about. Yeah, I'd probably take quantity over quality. I mean, personally, I would take Patrick Williams at four. Uh, I'm really high on him, but if Lamelo Ball's there, like obviously. I wouldn't take him over mellow or anything, but yeah, definitely in this class, quantity over quality, just because the drop off is just so small, uh, really after like two or three. It, it feels like every other draft, a Kentucky guard slides to the teens <laughs> and ends up becoming a pretty good player. Devin Booker, Tyler Hero broke out in the NBA bubble. Tyrese Maxey, in some regards, has flown under the radar a little bit. 
But when you look at him, a lot of people say he's probably not as good a prospect as Devin Booker and probably not as good a prospect as Tyler Hero. I don't know how much hindsight is being used in that. But what are the chances that Tyrese Maxey ends up following in the footsteps of some of these good Kentucky guards and really ends up making people regret passing on. Hey, hey, you can throw in um, SGA as well into that mix. So what do you think? What do you think about uh, Tyrese Maxey? So Maxey's Maxey's hard for me to read because his jump shot, like when he he shot 29% from three, I think uh, somewhere in that range. And his misses were bad. Like it wasn't just like, you know, unlucky misses. There are a lot of guys that just, you know, runs in and out a lot. Uh, Maxi's misses were bad. Like even though he has, he shot over 80% from the line, which is a better indicator than three point shot. Uh, I, I do have concerns about his shot coming along. Uh, I do think he'll be a good player. I just don't know if he's going to get that same, uh, that same love. Cause I mean, if you, I mean the Tyler hero and Devin Booker, the commonality there is their jump shot, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually why I think his teammate Emmanuel quickly is actually the candidate. That's the flying low. You know, he's seen as like a second late first, guy and uh, and he shot 90% from the line 40% from three and I mean his jump shots are really good uh, I actually think it's Emmanuel quickly that's not getting any Kentucky love that people are looking you know Maxie's the first guy but quickly kind of checks the bill a uh, little bit more on that front who would you compare Maxie to like game was uh so I actually I compare him a little bit to Markel Fultz uh obviously Fultz is a tricky person to ever compare anybody to because of uh, because of how his career started and they put mm-hmm. him obviously you know uh, in a bad spot. But you know, defense first, slasher, jump shot. Maybe they you know jump shot. I think is better for Maxi. I don't think there's any denying that. Uh, but that same level impact player, like you can start him on a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, and Fultz was a good. Fultz was a really good prospect. I mean, we forget that obviously everything that happened yeah. in his timeline <laughs> threw all of that off, but he was a good prospect. He looked like he could score. He looked like his jump shot wasn't bad. And it, I mean, he looked yep. like he had a, a lot of high upside and I can definitely, I can definitely see some of that. Yeah. And he's still got a long ways to go too. Like, I don't yeah. think he's even close to his ceiling. Yeah. As, let me ask you about Patrick. Cause you said you were, uh, you were really high on him. Um, and I, I, you know, you're not, I've seen people like he's been uh, like climbing the draft boards. He, he wasn't, uh, considered a top 10 guy. And then I've seen people have him at 10 or higher in in some random mocks that I've looked at. Uh, what, what do you like about him as far as obviously he's, he's only 19 uh, and he has a good, he has good length, good size outside of that, those obvious things. Uh, what do you see in him and what do you really like about him? Yeah, so uh, I love his IQ. He he admitted that he came to Florida State uh, to learn defense under Leonard, Leonard Hamilton, and I I never saw him really as a bad defender. He had some lapses that obviously coaching will fix, like just some simple missing rotations. Uh, but his on-ball defense is magnificent. Like it's for a guy who quote unquote doesn't know how to play defense, he's really good at defense, and that really intrigues me. Obviously, like you said, the size, athleticism, that combination plus IQ, and as he continues to develop. Uh, I think his upside's crazy, and he's a really good passer too. Which uh, I I don't want to say it, but like I mean, he has shades of Draymond Green. I don't think there is going to be another Draymond Green, you know, for a very long time. But this is probably the closest prospect uh, that we've seen to him. And the jump shot, you know, has better numbers than Draymond ever had in college. But I don't know if it'll be better. What do you think about Sadiq Bay? Yeah, so I like Sadiq a lot. Uh, he's he's probably actually the safest player. 
Uh, my comparison for him was just straight up Wesley Matthews. Uh, it's just like, you know, there's so many versions of him, the pre-Achilles, uh, the Mavs post-Achilles, which was rough. Uh, but I think you got a 15, 10-year vet. However long he wants to play, he's staying in the league that long. Like, he's really smart. He doesn't rely on athleticism. Great size. Obviously a good shooter. He can shoot over uh, defenders really well because of where he starts his shot. Uh, he's just smart. He doesn't take chances. You won't ever see him get beat off the dribble terribly. You know, you won't see him gambling and then getting burned. There's just so much to like about him that he adds so much to a winning team. So, so in your opinion, I, I guess, so how would you rank all these five guys that we've talked about? Um, and, and would you, what tier would you probably put them in? Would you put them in a tier with guys like that are like the mellow balls? And I know Wiseman's been kind of, you know, hit or miss conversation wise. He's a lot of people are really, there's some people that are pretty high on him. Other people are like, yeah, this guy's just get, get this guy away from us <laughs> type of prospect. Uh, but so where, where would you, how would you rank each of them as far as one to five? And then where, uh, what tier would you put them at? You think? Yeah. So my highest of all of those is Patrick Williams. Uh, I have him right in the tier. Uh, it's like my second, third kind of tier with Denny uh, or actually, sorry, right below Denny. Uh, Isaac Okora, though, Devin Vassell, Pyro uh, Lewis. That's like that tier. Uh, and then the next one I have on that is Tyrese Maxey. He's one of the next guys up there. Uh, so, I mean, I still like him, I, despite what I just said, you know, about not being huge on him. I do like him. And I do think he has an obvious spot in the league. Uh, he's in the tier. I actually have him the same level as Obi Toppin. It's like 1A, 1B between those two in that tier. Um, and then Sadiq Bay, I have at number 23, who... I honestly am probably too low on him. I don't, I really should probably change that ranking actually. Uh, But I have him just kind of in that mix. Uh, There's a bunch of guys really after 15, it's like 15 to 35. Everyone's in the same tier. Um, And then who, who is the other one? I feel like I'm missing someone here. Halliburton. Oh yeah. Halliburton's. Yep. He's sorry. Two spots right above uh, Sadiq Bay, same tier. Uh, Yeah. They're, they're all like almost interchangeable for me. Okay. And it would, I guess, be team-based for at that point. Like, that's, you know, like the Bulls would be a lot. I, I actually wouldn't even know who to pick between Sadiq Bay and Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> okay. So, speaking of who the Bulls are going to pick, so they have the number four overall pick. And given that this draft is going to be very unpredictable, there's been rumors that Minnesota wants to trade out of number one. There's been rumors that Golden State wants to trade down. There's been rumors that everyone wants to trade down because <laughs> that's the smart play. And fans expect, okay, yeah, just trade down. That's smart. But everyone's thinking that now. So it's probably – every team probably is not going to be able to trade down. So we have to figure out who is going to lean where because so much of that is going to pretty much decide – where the Bulls go at number four, if they do stay at number four. So if you're Minnesota right now, where do you go with the number one overall pick? And, or are you considering, are you trying to trade out maybe to a team like Chicago? I don't know. Maybe to a team like Charlotte. I don't know. But what's, what's just your general thought on what Minnesota, Minnesota should do to start this draft? Yeah, they're, they're in a tough situation because I mean, like you said, I don't know who wants the number one pick. It's probably, they're probably settling for, you know, cents on the dollar um, or pennies on the dollar, whatever the phrase is. Uh, They're settling, you know, like they're not going to get a lot of big return for number one pick. I mean, it's the least valuable number one pick we've seen in a while. Um, I I personally think they should just 
if they don't find a you know over the top offer, take someone. I mean, I would take probably Lamelo Ball. Just swing for the fences. Uh, it's a pretty low risk draft for them. Uh, even though they do, I don't think they have their pick next year, uh, which is crazy. Like they need their pick next year way more <laughs> than they need it now. Um, but I would probably say just swing for the fences. At the worst, you know, hopefully whoever it is, if they're not, if they don't pan out. Hopefully they're not terrible though. Like at least so they can hold their own in a trade value. So how do you see how do you see that top three going? So you have Lamelo at one. Then what would you what would you yeah. think that Golden State and Charlotte does? Charlotte's Man, probably the I, big wild card, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Golden State would go Denny. I know they've always been linked to uh, James Wiseman, mm-hmm. but for a team that claims they're you know they're light years ahead or whatever, uh, I feel like taking a center in this era at number two is just not the light years ahead move. Um, so I would say Denny Avdia at number two and then Charlotte, I think they have to go best player available, even though they have two guards already. One of which obviously is Terry Rozier, not a long-term piece. I would say take Anthony Edwards. It's, it's interesting. You said Denny with with the Warriors, because I feel like not necessarily exact apples to apples, but like he could kind of be that Draymond replacement after, you know, as Draymond ages out. Um, and maybe even if they have to trade him down the line because of obviously uh, the contracts reasons, but yeah, he would be he would probably be a smarter pick for them as opposed to Wiseman. Um, another guy, I know you you have him lower, but I feel like Anthony Edwards. I feel like he's probably the least liked like number one prospect in a in a draft in a while. Obviously, he's, he has a lot of athleticism, talent, but people just you know they're just like, uh, do we have to take? I guess okay, we'll take this guy type of type of thing. It feels like. Yeah, and for him, he kind of got screwed by just a combination of things. The the fact that uh, the three-point line, like we said, the three-point line and increased pace really did not do him any favors as a freshman. I mean, 29% from three, even though he took eight, I think it was, yeah, eight threes a game, uh, which is absurd. And a lot of them were like step-back threes and all that. They weren't just spot-up threes. Also, he played with a horrible Georgia team. Like, it was just it was a tough combination and we've seen it though. I feel like, I don't know the last guy who played on a bad team that went number one, that didn't work out. Like I might just be straight up missing someone, but you think of Ben Simmons, obviously I guess Markel Fultz, but that I don't think that's a conventional miss. And I don't even think he's been bad outside of the Philadelphia times. Like this first season, Orlando was really good. Um, so I, he, he's just in a terrible situation that it just doesn't look pretty. And, you know, people say, Oh, you know, he doesn't want to pass whatever, but, I don't know. There's some clips out there that like I, my favorite one is he made a great pass to the corner. The guy's wide open. I mean, nobody within five, 10 feet of him. He does a fake, he does a jab step into the cut and then does a step back, waits for the guy to get there and airballs the three. So it's like, how can you fault him for only having not even three assists a game? Mm. You know, this draft has a lot of players who I like the idea <laughs> of, but there's so many question marks outside of that. Like, I, I like the idea of Anthony Edwards. He has good size, really good athleticism. He seems like a dog on the court. And when he does get to the hoop, like he can make some good plays at the rim. My thing with Anthony Edwards is, and this very well could have been because he played at Georgia, is it, it seems like his offense is really, really hard. It, it seems like he settles for a lot of bad shots. Now, he can make them. You'll see those clips. He can make some turnaround jumpers. He can make some fadeaways. He can make some really tough shots. But it seems like he has that Jamal Crawford type thing where it's like he, like most of his offense <laughs> is tough shots. 
And if you can get him to get smarter shots, then he becomes more appealing. So I, I do agree with Salim that it seems like he is the least least popular number one overall pick in recent memory. But I see the upside. And given where you you projected the top three going at LaMelo, Denny, and then uh, who did you say at three? You said Edwards. Edwards. Okay, so yeah. you said Edwards at three. Okay, so given that at four, who do you go with at four for the Bulls if, if, if they're keeping that it's, pick? It's tough. It's really tough because a week ago, um, like I said, before that Vassell thing, I don't know what to make of it. Um, I, I would have said Vassell at number two. Like, I mean, I think you could make an argument that he fits exactly what Golden State needs right now. Uh, and I don't think it's unreasonable to say him or Patrick Williams at four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's not popular, but, uh, <laughs> but like, I would gladly take, you know, I mean, it's what one wing I think is on the Bulls next year before player options and everything is obviously Otto Porter's going to pick up yeah. his. So I guess two. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and neither of those guys, it's iffy that uh, the most you have one long-term player of those two. Yeah. Uh, I would say, honestly, Devin Vassell could be that guy that he makes, he's like Halliburton. Like we said, he makes everybody's job easier. I would almost go with him and his upside is still really high. Okay. Where are you at with Killian Hayes then? Like, do you, do you think that uh, I know a lot of Bulls fans have him if LaMelo Ball is in there? Yeah, so I have him number four. Uh, he is a little bit tricky because um, I, I do think he's a lead guard. I do worry about his left – or excuse me, his right hand uh, development. I don't know how long that's going to take to develop. I don't know how long you know his general development is going to take, uh, which it depends on the team, obviously, on him. I don't know if the Bulls are trying to shoot for the playoffs next year because – if so, I don't think he's the guy. You know, Vassell is a more win now plus long term. Um, so it's it's hard. And I don't know. And I, I hope this doesn't come across wrongly, but I don't know how him and Kobe White would fit. You know, uh, sorry, Killian Hayes and Kobe White would fit. It seems almost slightly redundant, even though they're not like the same player. They're both kind of score first to an extent. Like Kobe's more score first, mm-hmm. obviously, than Killian. But yeah, so I don't know. That's a tricky one. Yeah. For me, for me, I don't really care about fit right now as much as because the Bulls don't like for me, the Bulls don't have a star, like a superstar caliber, like prospect player. So I'm not really concerned about fit. To me, I get like the best guy you think is there. Like if if Killian Hayes, even if he doesn't fit with Kobe White right now, uh, if he's the best guy there, you figure it out later. And whoever is the better player, that's the guy you keep and then you can move on after the fact. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's like unless you have an absolute building block, which uh, the closest thing is probably Zach Levine, but who knows what his long-term future is. So it is it is really hard. And that's the predicament that I don't know how to mock Chicago. I've had a lot of people tell me like every mock I do, I do it <laughs> wrong uh, because I just, I don't know what to do. Like you said, there's no one that you can't, that you can say, oh, he doesn't fit with. Even though there's a lot of good players, it's just, it's hard to say what their strategy is or should be or anything like that. Like it's easily the hardest pick I think in the top five. And and that's logical because the bulls don't have anything. This is a team with three consecutive 20 something win seasons. And granted there is talent here, but nobody has proven themselves worthy of building a team around. Granted, I like Lowry marketing. 
I like Kobe White. I like Wendell Carter Jr., but at this moment in time, we cannot really say that they are building blocks of a winning team. So it it is tough. I mean, if you go to if you go to different like Bulls boards, you'll just see that the options for the number four overall pick are just all over the place. And it makes sense because this is the ultimate my guy draft. So everyone just has Killian Hayes. They have Tyrese Maxey. They have LaMelo. They have James Wiseman. They have Okongwu. They have just so many different players. So that even brings me to this. And you said that the Warriors would not take a center at number two because they're always thinking forward and that just doesn't fit what the NBA is all about. And granted, Bulls fans are going to get really mad when I ask this because Wendell Carter Jr. is here and Daniel Gafford did play well as a rookie. But if James Wiseman is on the board at number four or uh, Anika Kong- oh, oh my God, I'm going to mess up his name. Okungu is on the board <laughs> at number four. Do you take either one of them and as Salim said, just get a really good player, figure out the rest later. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm huge on Okonkwu. He's my number two player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would have a hard time saying no. I do think he's the safest player in the draft uh, just because he can, do, he can do so much as a big man, like especially on the defensive end. And I'm very confident in his passing ability, not necessarily like in a bam out of bio passing way, like where you can pass on the move and everything. But uh, one of the most common sets in the NBA, you know, is dribble handoff at the top of the key. Uh, literally centers start a lot of the plays at the top of the key. And he's really good at making reads out of that, mm-hmm. uh, which it impressed me a lot. And it's something that I don't think you see out of freshman center. So I would, I would gladly take a chance at him. Obviously the marketing Carter fit is weird uh, with him, but um, I would, I would take the chance. Not as high on Wiseman. Yeah. Uh, Wiseman. Man, Wiseman is such a boomer bust one that like you could swing for the fences and if you hit, you look like a genius, but yeah. you really want to have to deal with the downside of that. And and again, that, that just kind of comes down to approach uh, because he can do he can do a lot like physically. I think he's the fastest big man in the class. Uh, like, I mean, him in the open court is crazy. Uh, I just don't know how if or how he puts it all together mm. is my concern. And that's a big risk for a team that does have uh, I guess like, that's kind of the difference between the two is the risk between because if you already have Carter and Mark and you can kind of take a safer guy. I think it just hurts a lot. There's a lot more damage that can be done if you take Wiseman who doesn't pan out at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our guy Tor- Corey Tulliba is pretty high on uh, on Wiseman. I think that's his uh, if he gets that one right, that's going to be his like crowning achievement, I think. Yeah, no, Corey loves Wiseman. Uh, he sold me on him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It, it, he is intriguing because you, you see the length, the athleticism. If he can expand his offensive game, I know we've seen clips of him shooting, obviously, open gym guys. I've seen Ben Wallace hit countless threes in an open gym, so it means absolutely nothing in an open gym. But if if he can kind of, you know, be even even – a 35 34% three point shooter down the line as a as his size that's just absolutely like opens up his potential even more right and i have wiseman 6 on my board for that reason i do think his uh his offensive potential is severely underrated cuz a lot of the people i think that are down on him uh like i don't think you can take much off of high school tape you can take some uh, I, I know a lot of people that the reason they're down on him is because of high school tape and i just i can't get behind that yet um, it's just kind of benefit of the doubt thing for me. Uh, and I mean, it's, 
I, I really think he could do a lot with NBA development, though. And again, though, if he doesn't, he's quickly out of the league. That's that's kind of the floor with him, which is concerning. So is he closer to an Andre Drummond type of big or is he closer to a maybe like a DeAndre Ayton type of big? That's a tough one. Uh, in between a little bit. Okay. Uh, I kind of like him as the best thing I heard was kind of like a his upside would be Tyson Chandler with a little bit more game. So I'm trying to think of who that would be, like offensive game. Oh, man. Uh, like if you took more offense and took a little bit away of the defense, I don't know who that turns into. Uh, <laughs> but the protection, being able to shoot off, uh, you know, he's done some fadeaways in the three games that he did, that he played. Uh, you know, he calls himself a unicorn. Um, I really don't know who's like him. He's a pretty unique prospect because the only player that I that fits every one of those bills is not him at all, which is kind of Christoph's Porzingis, but obviously at a much, much higher level that it can't even be compared to. Well, Tyson Chandler was supposed to be the next Kevin Garnett. So now I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little true. nervous about that one. He's pretty good though. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Tyson, Tyson did end up having a really nice long career. So yeah. champion too. So that's yeah. at least that worked out for him. Yeah, no, he's he's loved in Dallas. Like he is a legend here. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Um, one one another question, but as we get close to wrapping up here, uh, one of the things that's been big in this le- in this draft is is a very newer angle is the players coming over from the NBL. A lot of like the college kids that decided in te- instead of going to college, let's go out to the NBL, and that's obviously that's a completely different beast because you're going against grown men it's a completely different environment where normally you, it's 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 a it's it's a it's a strange thing for little kids like 18 year old kids to go away to school as is they're going to a completely different country uh culture and everything like that do you think because of that that the where our opinion of this draft is skewed um, like players could be a lot better than we think they are but because they were playing in a, in a completely against like I said grown men, making it tougher on them uh do you think that probably that could uh, once we go back in a few years look at this draft oh this draft was actually better because we just were completely thrown off by this other element that was uh, that was added in like the nbl yeah and there are two i mean you know there's two first round prospects from the nbl which we've never seen before with him and with mellow ball obviously uh and rj hampton who had a pretty short season over there. Uh, the combination of that plus the, I mean, again, the new NCAA rules, I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of people that we go that are going to be said over, like, you know, how did we miss this guy? Uh, and I think the simple answer is just because the stats aren't even to every other year. You really can't compare someone's three-point shot when they had to shoot an extra foot and a half behind. Uh, it's, and, I mean, you get that plus the pro cultures. The NBL is... I mean, it's growing. I think we're seeing more people do it every year, right? Like it's going to be, I think this is kind of its make or break year that if both Lamella Ball and RJ Hampton hit, I think that's a huge blow just to the NCAA. Um, and I, it's going to be crazy to see what the upside of the league, I guess, is and how much it impacts the NBA because it has a lot of potential to entirely just dethrone the entire situation how it is now. With Lamella Ball, what are the chances that he really lives up to the hype. I, I know he's a really polarizing prospect because we see the flashes of insane passing ability and playmaking from him. And then we see him 
taking really bad shots and making like 20 something percent of his three pointers and the form looks a little weird and there's a lot of questions about his defensive ability but when you look at the overall package you see a six seven six eight uh guard for whatever you want to call him who can pass like that who can create forevers off the dribble just really great court vision is he worth yeah. if you're a team like the bulls like it, it is he worth moving up for if you know someone is going to take him or is he just a player that to you it just isn't really worth like he's just not really worth the hype yeah and that's see that's so hard because the workouts you know nothing's not everything's pretty much private so we don't even like it's just so hard to say but uh, i do think he has a really good chance of actually hitting his upside uh you know a lot of people will say oh well lonzo had a lot of the same you know strengths and weaknesses uh, but I think Lamelo is a completely different player. I mean, obviously he's been pro what two, three years. I mean, that's a huge advantage. Kind of like we were talking about with the NBL. Um, I, I can kind of forgive a lot of his weaknesses just because effort on defense is a something he's going to have. I don't think that's a long term trait. What he showed in the NBL. Um, I think the jump shot is really the swing factor. I think if he can hit a jump shot with a, with a hand in his face or, you know, just a simple closeout doesn't have to be a hard closeout that completely changes his entire career trajectory uh, because the passing and playmaking and the creation, all of that is going to be there. I think the spot up shooting and being able to play off ball is actually his biggest swing sk- skill. Uh, and I, I'd probably say he can develop. I mean, we've seen Lonzo entirely change his form uh, in what, three years. Mm-hmm. I don't see why Lamelo can't, and he's probably already getting a head start on that. Yeah, it'll be interesting how it works out. Well, Rich, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, please uh, let our listeners know where they can follow you, uh, about your website, and also anything else that you may be working on. Yeah, uh, I'm at Mavs Draft on Twitter. I do most of my damage on there. Uh, I have some bad uh, trade takes, if you can live with that. Uh, and then also, uh, <laughs> and then I'm also at MavsDraft.com. It's where I post scouting reports, everything like that. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Edward, any final thoughts as we get here, uh, wrap up here? I'm good. Uh, thanks to Rich for uh, dropping by and uh, giving us some good draft knowledge. Uh, check him out on Twitter. I'm curious to see uh, some of these trade takes that he has on there and, <laughs> and how many uh, Bulls players he has going to some random team for like one player or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't think they're that bad. Like. There's, there was one last week, and I, for the life of me, can't remember. I think it was Russell Westbrook to Orlando, and I drew up. It was like Mo Bamba, Aminu, and Aaron Gordon, and like a pick for Russ. And I was like, yeah, this seems fine, and I got roasted. So I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know where I am on that. You can you can br- bring up the most reasonable trades, and but people, our fandom takes over, and people fall in love with certain players. And people get mad. So that's just how it works sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's a wrap for today's show. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Bulls Gold. You can follow Edward at Edward Schuler Jr. and me at Jordan Dynasty. Uh, don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Central on Dash Radio's Nothing But Nets radio station. In addition, if you have missed any previous shows, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And also please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and rate us a five. Thank you again to Richard Stamen for joining us today. And as always, for Edward Shula and myself, thank you to all the listeners. Till next time, Bulls fans. Peace.